Father, we thank you that you are the beginning and you're the end. And Father, that word greatness means scope. It means wide. It means broad. You even tell us because you go to the Father that we'll do greater things because you are great. So we're here this morning because of your greatness. And that I am means that I am that I am. I'm the it. I'm forever. And so we thank you for that this morning. And we come here because of that reason. Because you're the it. You're the absolute. You're the ultimate authority. We thank you for that, God. In Jesus' precious name. And everybody said, Amen. You may be seated. It is so good to see you this morning. I mean that. And uh, Alex and them let me preach once a year, so I kind of take advantage of it. You know what I'm saying? Uh, we had a good time in our first service, and it was good to see a lot of people. And I know folk are vacationing and traveling, and it's fun. And we've got a couple of people that are on vacation. we got Rick and Julie that are still finishing up their month of vacation in June, and Beck and Lindsay are out until this end of the month. And then I think Pastor Alex and myself will be on vacation starting in July. And so it's so good to see you. I know you got time to travel and and be back and all that good stuff. Now, I do want to just give you some quick, quick, quick updates on what's happening along the front range. Uh, I want you to know that uh, God is doing some real good work. Uh, and Alec Bailey right now is in Colorado Springs. So he is doing that preaching this morning. There's about 20 people involved in that work. And last service, we had the Sapaia family. They filled up the whole side of this room right here. It's about 20 of them. And so they're going to be moving to Colorado Springs. Uh, that's what they're going to be doing. They're going to move down there, and the kids are going to be in high school down there, and they're going to be finishing up in that area. So we gave them uh, the information uh, of what we're doing in Colorado Springs, so they'll be there as well. Now, because you haven't seen me on Sundays, it's not because I've been playing hooky. I've been spending time in three places. One place has been over in Windsor. There's a young man in Windsor by the name of Eric Ludy who has a teaching ministry and he gets about anywhere from 100 to 200 students a year coming into his school and before we start the work in uh, Windsor I'm beginning to build a relationship with some pastors in Windsor so some Sundays I'm in Windsor and so then the other Sundays that I've been I've been in Cheyenne we have a group of people who were in our Cheyenne church when I was the youth pastor at First Christian Church and so met with them a few weeks ago been meeting with this guy by the name of Rob Statham and Rob and another guy uh, by the name of Joel Belinsky is going to be the two guys that's going to help start the work in Cheyenne. There's another young man I meet with named Anthony Johnson who's a former police officer in Laramie, been meeting with him, and we're going to get a work started in Laramie here. Been really talking to him for about five or six years. Every time we go down uh, uh, to Wyoming to play, we're trying to get Wyoming a little love as well, okay? Uh, and then just met with a young man who used to be a linebacker at CSU. We had some of our CSU football players in here the first hour. It's about six or seven of them. And uh, we're getting ready to do a work in Denver. So I met with this guy last Tuesday at the Cracker Barrel in Denver, and he's got about 20 people who are interested in helping kick the work off in Denver because these are former, not only CSU students who used to go to ESS years and years ago, but this is a young man who also believes in what we're doing. So we've got about five places uh, that are working in the next six months. Look like it's going to have some, some germination there, but it is so good to see you. So what I'd like for you to do, if you will, would you turn with me to the seventh chapter of the book of Nehemiah? And I know Pastor Alex has been bringing you along from chapter one all the way to chapter seven. So what I don't need to do is give you an introduction. But what we're going to do is we're going to go right into the seventh chapter here. And we're going to look at verses one, two, three, and four. And this name that you see behind me is a name that I really want you to think about. 
Because I want you to get this in your system before you leave here. And it's okay to respond as the brother is talking. I just want you all to know that. But but, but I'm, I'm going to share some things which is that, I, that I think is very, very critical for you, your family, your household, you as an individual. But let's read this first. It's verse 1, 2, 3, and 4 in chapter 7 of the book of Nehemiah. It says, now it came about when the wall was rebuilt. The wall has been rebuilt, and I had set up the doors, and the gatekeepers and the singers and the Levites were upon it. But I put Hanani, my brother, and Hananiah, the commander of the fortress, in charge of Jerusalem, for he was a faithful man and feared God more than many. Then I said to them, do not let the gates of Jerusalem be open until the sun is hot. And while they are standing guard, let them shut and bolt the doors. Also appoint guards from the inhabitants of Jerusalem, each at his post and each in front of his own house. Now the city was large and spacious, but the people in it were few, and the houses were not built. In the book of Proverbs, it says, like a city without walls, it's like a man who has no control over his spirit. So from the pages of Nehemiah 7, God is speaking to us through the Holy Spirit about being Watchman. Anytime you talk about a city, anytime you talk about a wall, what we're talking about is being watchman. Now this is really important for you. Because in the gospel, we see Jesus talking to a guy by the name of Nehemiah. And if he's not talking to Nehemiah, guess who else he's talking to? He's talking to his disciples. And he constantly tells them to be watchful. He tells Nehemiah, look, man, you can't even discern the signs of the time. How are you going to know anything about the spirit? So what God tells you and I to do is be watchmen. Watch out for things. Take a look at things. Always be on the alert. And so what we're going to do is show you, first of all, why this word is so important. So Nehemiah obviously has finished the word. But when we talk about watchmen, I want to ask you a question. Now, when you achieve something in your life and most of us have if not all of us have achieved something in our life that we have been successful in and you think about it maybe you finished a race maybe you finished some garment you were working on maybe you had worked on a car maybe you just had some sweat equity into something that you were doing and when you got to that point there are two emotions that followed one was there was a sense of relief or a sigh of relief. The second emotion was this. Now what's next? That's the second emotion. And I don't know how many times I've finished a race or finished a project or got to a certain point in my life where I didn't breathe some sigh of relief. I'm pretty sure all of y'all can understand that. But then the next thing you'd have to ask yourself is, what's next? Now, I told the first service, there was a guy by the name of Deion Sanders. You still see him on TV. After he had won two Super Bowls, one with uh, the 49ers and the other with the Dallas Cowboys, he got so bored because after, a, you know, achieving uh, a feat of winning the Super Bowl, the guy went out the next day and he bought a Ferrari. Must be nice to have that kind of cash. Bought one. See, because here's the problem. See, the most dangerous time of anybody's life is after they achieve something great. It's dangerous. It's downtime. You know what it's called? It's called transitional time. And how people handle that transition also reflects the kind of character that they have. What happens next? Now, here's the problem. 
Because right after you get the celebration and the satisfaction, two things can happen. One is what uh, complacency can step in. Apathy can step in. And what happens is momentum begins to leak. And if you don't have the next goal ready, you become vulnerable. So the statement I want to make to you this morning has a lot to do with what watchmen are about. Why is it that when Nehemiah, after finishing this war, after leaving his job as a cup bearer, after going through all that he went through to get to that point, seven chapters later, he finally achieves that point. And after he achieves that point, there's something that's got to happen. There's a transition that needs to take place. He cannot rest. He cannot say, oh, the job is done. Now I need to go home. Because there's something about these two words I'm getting ready to bring to you that are very important about watchmen. Now, one of the things you need to know about a watchman is, one, is that watchmen are always alert. Always. The second thing you need to know about a watchman is that they're ready for action. And as soon as you and I get lazy... Apathy sets in, complacency sets in, and we become what? Vulnerable. Very vulnerable. And so I'm going to make this statement. I'm going to take you to some cross-reference, and we're going to answer three questions this morning. But here's the statement that I'd like to make to you. See, a watchman, I'm going to slow it down, knows that sustainability undergirded by Stewardship is the defense mechanism from apathy and vulnerability. When am I the most vulnerable after I achieve something? You even saw it in the last couple of days when you saw this NBA, for those of you who watched those things, uh, a seven-game deal that usually sometimes don't always go to seven games, but you got a city in Cleveland and the Cleveland Cavaliers who had not brought home a trophy in 52 years of any major kind. Now, that city is celebrating right now, having some fun. But the question to them is that now they have broke this 52-year drought, what's next? It's okay to celebrate, but what's the next goal? And you have a Golden State team that won more NBA games in a single season than anybody in history. What's next for them? Now, when we say the watchman knows that sustainability undergirded by stewardship is the defense mechanism from apathy and vulnerability, the question I have for you, are you watching? Are you guarding what God has entrusted to you? Have you got lazy and doctrinal integrity by not taking the time to watch what God is saying by reading his word? Have you gotten lazy in prayer and not realizing that there's a spiritual integrity that comes along with praying to God and talking to him? Have you gotten lazy in that? You watch no longer? Have you gotten lazy in worship in the sense that as you worship God, you become aware of the fact that singing is not just singing, but you're worshiping because you're worshiping someone? Have you gotten lazy in those things? Have you gotten lazy even in giving and watching your finances, understanding the possessions that God has put in? Are you watching? And have you watched the fact that you have shared your faith with Christ, uh, with people to the point that you get lazy in that? You see, when you look at our country, who's watching over our country? I'll be honest with you, nobody. They don't care about America. All they want is power. They, they, they don't care about what's happening. So the, the responsibility that you and I have is we have to watch over 
our family. We have to watch over our city and we have to watch over our nation. And God has given us that responsibility. Church, are you hearing that at all? That's our responsibility. And it's real important that you understand that Nehemiah is saying, be a good watchman. Nehemiah says, put something up under sustainability. Put stewardship there. And I've got to watch over it. My, uh, there ain't a single day that's gone, uh, in my life and in my, in my wife's life that we haven't watched over or prayed for our children. There's not a day that goes by. I've got a responsibility to watch over a network of pastors called the Fort Collins Church Network. Some 66 churches are involved in this movement. I'm the executive director. I have to guard that and watch over that. We have what is called the ESS Christ Fellowship Apostolic Network. There are churches that will eventually come up under this when we are actually in, uh, uh, Pueblo and Alex and I and, and Rick and Beck and and, and 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 Bill and all of us got up 531 morning, hopped into uh, our suburban and drove to Colorado Springs, did some work down there, and then wind up at what you call the Golden Corral, Beck's favorite place to eat. And we were, we were dealing with some uh, 13, 14 pastors. And I just got up and just shared a message. And a guy drove from Trinidad to come to that meeting. And looked at me right in the eyes and said, man, I want to join this movement. Once you know how scary that is. Because then he would come up under what? Our watchful eye. Some of you today, when you get the invitation, need to stand and say, I need prayer because there's gaps in my wall. I have to watch over my bride. There's gaps. And I learned in reading just these four verses how serious of a man Nehemiah was because he knew even after the completion of the wall, which they worked some several months to get this thing done, wasn't finished. So the most dangerous time that you and I deal with is after a victory. Don't stop praying for your children. Don't stop praying for your spouse. Don't stop praying for your moms and your dads. Don't get lazy. Don't be apathetic. Don't become complacent. Because there's still work to do. Church, are you hearing me? I want you to understand this. So as I got the assignment to preach this Sunday, I just, I just had to get ready. But as I began to study, that word was for me. Kind of, there's some areas in your life that you're lazy. There's some areas in your life that you have allowed to slip. There has been. And it's time to get alert again. It's time to get ready for action again. So here's what we're going to do. Because I want you to understand the importance of this word. And what I'm going to do is take you to some cross references. And we're going to answer the question, what is it saying? We're going to answer the question, who is it talking to? And we're going to answer the question, watch this, how does this apply to my life right now? We're going to do that. Okay? Y'all y'all with the bald head band this morning, huh? Hey, yeah, yeah, I see how you're looking now. I can, you know, I'll put the camera on you. You'll see how you're looking, okay? But let's do this here. Let's, let's do this here. See, because the word watchman has really three meanings to it. I, I want to get that into you first, okay? This is going to go rather quickly because a, a, a watchman comes from three uh, Hebrew words, sephar, uh, which means to look out and about. It also means to spy. Now, we're not talking about parents spying on their kids. We're not talking about that kind of spy. But we're all t- t- talking about looking, spying out the land, spying out the territory, understanding what it is you're dealing with. Then there's another word called shemar, which means to uh, preserve and guard. So while you are looking out and about and spying, you're doing it for the purpose of what to preserve and to guard. And then there's one called nestar which means to observe and to perceive. 
Nehemiah was smart enough to know, I got to put watchmen after all of this sweat equity. You work all that hard time getting the money. Watch it. You worked all this time building a house. Watch it. You worked all this time having kids. Watch them. All this time. Watch your walk. Watch your prayer. Watch your reading. Watch your worship. Watch your giving. Watch your witness. That's what Nehemiah is saying to you and to me. Because if you don't watch it, somebody else won't either. And they won't care. So I'm, I'm finding things in my life that I got to get back on the wall. I just have to get back on that wall. So then here are two cross-references that will help you understand. Now look here, don't forget now, we read verses 1, 2, 3, and 4. We're going to go back there in just a moment. But I want to give you these two cross-references because see, when we go back and read verse 1, 2, 3, and 4 out of Nehemiah 7, it will have more meaning to you. And then I'm going to leave you with how it applies to you. Are you with me so far? This is going to go pretty quick here. All right. First of all, I would like for you to turn with me to Psalms 127. And I really like this particular set of scripture because I just want to ask you a question. There's not a single person in this room that don't want to build something. Okay. I remember when my daughter, Justine, got the head coaching job at Rocky Mountain High School, uh, the women's head coaching job, and she was excited. We're delighted. Mom and I are delighted as well. They're at a some kind of camp right now. And the first thing I asked her, Justine, is what do you want to do? You know what came out of her mouth? She said, Dad, I want to build something. Now I'm asking her what it is she want to build. Everybody in this room wants to build something. Now let me say this to you. Look at what Psalms 127 says to you. Just the first couple of verses. Magnificent writing to us. Unless. I like that word. Unless the Lord builds the house. Nehemiah knew that. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who builds it. So whatever it is you are building and you put all the sweat equity you want into it, the question still remains, are you building it or is God building it? That's the question. See, because it's telling you something. If God ain't building it, it's a vain work. Nehemiah did not want to leave a vain work. Jesus does not want to leave a vain work. I had a person tell me about a year ago, why, why are you gonna, why, why are you gonna build all these churches and, and, and the ES is at Fort Collins is not at a certain point. And I politely responded, says, uh, how many kids you got? They said, oh, we got, I said, did you wait till they get grown before you had another one? Didn't get much response. Okay. Why? Because there's such things as replacement value. There's such things as legacy. There's such things as multiplying God's work. God did say be fruitful and multiply. He didn't say wait till the other fruit come up before you, you plant for more fruit. I'm not asking you to go out and... Just have a bunch of fruit for the sake of having fruit. But unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain. Who builds it unless the Lord, watch this, guards the house. The watchmen keep awake in vain. They keep awake in vain. And then he says... It is vain for you to rise up early, to retire late, to eat the bread of painful labors. For he gives to his beloved even in his sleep. 
Now, I told the first service this. I remember when I was leading a college ministry at ESC, I mean, at First Christian Church years and years ago. There was about 400 of them would come in every week, and it was fun. And I, I, I didn't want to make a bet to them, but I made a bet. They, they didn't have much money anyway because I, I won the bet anyway. You don't make a bet unless you know you're going to win it. And what I said to them, I said, there's a reason why God put 24 hours in a day. Now, they think, boy, there's enough time. I said, look here, I'm going to show you how you're wasting time. What? And I bet it. And I won it. They couldn't pay me off. Because I said, God wants you to spend a third of your day working. He wants you to spend another third of your day being with your family and doing the things that are necessary for your personal and corporate life. And then he wants you to spend a third of your day sleeping. And when I laid it out and showed them how much time they were wasting, it baffled them. 24 hours are there for a reason, people. Don't ever think that there's not enough time in the day. If you think there's too much time in the day, something's wrong with your schedule. So this is what the proverb, I mean, the Psalms writer is saying. Why waste all that time being up all night? <laughs> what are you gaining? Huh? Why waste that time looking at stuff? What are you getting? Because if God ain't building it, if God ain't watching it, it's all in vain. Nehemiah knew that. And so Proverbs gives us an understanding of the importance of the watchman. The watchman basically says, I'm on the alert. And I'm always ready for action. And I'm only on the alert for the things that I need to be alert to. And I'm only on the alert for the things that I can take action at. Period. And and if I'm building something and God is not in it, then guess what's going to happen? It's going to fall. There are some things that we tried to build here at Easter's. They're not working. Why? Because God ain't in it. And it's a hard lesson. (laughs) But you learn it. (laughs) God, you must not have been in that one. Because see, building takes time. Laying the bricks take time. It takes time to build a church. When you got churches in this city that has been here for, watch this, a hundred years. And they're just not figuring it out. So this little old 25-year-old church just gets started. So it's important for you to understand that God's got to watch it and God's got to build it. Second thing, let's go to what? Let's go to Matthew 25. I'm sorry, Matthew 24. And we're going to look at verse 45 through 47. Now this is Jesus Christ himself saying something to everybody listening, his disciples. And he said, you need to be ready for his coming. Watch this. Because as a watchman, I have to be alert. I have to be ready. I have to be ready to take action. So Jesus says this. Who then, in verse 45, is the faithful and sensible slave. That word slave is the same word for servant. He says who his master put in charge. And if you notice, Nehemiah put who in charge? His brother as well as the commander who was a commander over the fortress. He put those guys in charge. Why? He said who put in charge of his household to give them their food at the proper time. Now watch these two words. Faithfulness and sensibility. Why would you want to have somebody guarding something for you who are not faithful? Because as soon as you leave, guess what they're going to do? Go on and do things about their business the only way they want to do it. And they're not sensible in the sense that they don't even know when time it is for do certain things. So when Nehemiah placed these watchmen over this wall inside and out, he knew that they were faithful because he said about the commander, what? Because this man was not only faithful, but he was what? A man who feared God. Now we're going to get to that in just a second. Let me finish this here. And then it says, this blessed is the slave whom his master finds so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will be, put him what? In charge of, watch this, a few things. 
Got to read the word, ladies and gentlemen. He says, no, in charge of all of his possessions. All of them. Now, why is this so important? If on the one hand, what I'm building, God's building, what I'm watching, God is watching, then I need to be a steward of what I'm building and what I'm watching. Because what you learn here is that faithfulness and sensitivity becomes the bridge between possessions and stewardship. Wherever there are possessions required to have, there must be a steward there to take care of them. And wherever there's a steward there to take care of them, possessions show up. And if you don't have certain possessions, ask yourself, are you a good steward? And if you have possessions and you can't keep them, ask yourself about your stewardship. That's real, real important for you to understand. Church, did you get that? I mean, are you getting this this morning? This is real important. Very, very, very important for you. So, when we go and ask the question, what is it saying? We're getting ready to answer that. And then we ask the question, who is it talking to? We go back to the scripture and we begin to read verse 1, 2, 3, and 4. Because now you have some sense of what a watchman looks like and why they were appointed but one question before I go back and start reading this so you get a better understanding. Where are the gaps on your wall? Where are they? See, we have people in Isis who care about Isis and care about how she looks, what she does, and everything. They're watchmen. They're watchwomen. They're always on guard. So I have to ask myself the question. Am I a good watchman? Where is it that you in your life have gotten lazy? Because wherever that laziness is, that's where lethargicness sets in. That's where apathy sets in. That's where complacency sets in. And what's put all that sweat equity into growing up? Huh? Why, why do that? Why put all that sweat equity into having a family and not be a good watchman? So this man was moved on by the Holy Spirit to say something back to us as Christians. Because you're going to see something in these four verses. I'm going to go real fast. Got about ten minutes left. Hang in there. Okay? Let's go back. Let's go back. Because I want you to write something down here in a little bit. You don't need to do it now. But you need to let me get through these four verses real quick. Okay? Now, if you go to these four verses, here's what it says. Now it came about. Now that it was nothing more. Then what? The completion of a task that Nehemiah was allowed to go do when he was the cupbearer of the king. The it showed up. The wall is done. And it says when it came about when the wall. Now this structure, this, this, this continuous structure that surrounds the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Guess what? There should be a wall around you that protects you. He said, but this wall was rebuilt. Now, it was rebuilt for the purposes, ladies and gentlemen, of being brought back to its original form. And there's some things in your life that needs to be brought back to its original form. And so this man rebuilt this wall, but he said, you know what? And I set up the doors. That means I hung the doors that completed the wall because these doors were what? Control entry. So you remember what I said after I read the scripture to you earlier? It says like a city without walls is like a man or a woman or a child who has no control over their spirit. 
things just come in and out no matter what. So these doors represented an entry point. And then it says the gatekeepers who were trained police. So Paul, I mean not Paul, but Nehemiah not only had people who were trained police. And these were the gatekeepers. And these were attendants. These were people who were employed to do this. They were full time. And then it says he had singers. And you singers, just because you sing don't mean that all you're supposed to do. Because even singers have to be watchful. Also the Levites who worked inside of the church and their business was to do the things inside of the church. They too had to become a watchman. Everybody had to become a watchman. And God holds all of us responsible to be watchmen. I don't care how old you are or how young you are. You need to be a watchman. And he appointed them. It says now that the walls were completed and the doors were completed, he needed to form what was called, watch this, human fortification. Now, there are, there's, there's only so many things concrete and mortar can do, but there's only things that a human can do. So he had to put some human beings in this thing. And so, so he, he, he started to gather all this stuff together, very smart. And then verse 2, he says that I put Hanani. Now, Hanani is his brother who was the one that came to him and reported to him the disaster that was going on in Jerusalem some seven chapters ago. He says, I put my brother in Hananiah, the commander of the, uh, of the forces. That means this man had a military background. He knew how to fight. But what he said about him, that this man was a man who fears God. Now, ladies and gentlemen, it don't take much for you at some point to write down Exodus 18 and see what Jethro said to Moses. Jethro found out this is Jethro's, this is Moses' father-in-law. He found out that this boy was overseeing some 2.0 million people a day. And Jethro said, Moses, you're going to wear yourself out, brother. You know what else? You're going to wear the people out. Because this is what you need to do. You know what he told him in Exodus 18? He says, look, man, you need to find able-bodied men who fear God, men of truth, men who hate dishonest gain. And you need to put them over hundreds, tens, and thousands. These watchmen just wasn't somebody they just pulled out of the crowd. If I'm going to have somebody watch my stuff, I want them to fear God. Are you following me at all? I want them to hate dishonest gain. There's not a single person in the leadership of Jesus that don't have those ingredients. We don't even pick them unless we see that. They're able to. They hate dishonest gain. They want to see integrity all over the place. And so Nehemiah was small enough to say, we're not just going to pick anybody. We're going to pick people that have these qualities. A watchman who understands that sustainability undergirded by stewardship becomes a defense mechanism against apathy and vulnerability. And watch here in verse 3. We're getting ready to close here. We're not going to be taking too much more time on this. Look at verse 3. Now verse 3 has some ingredients in it. It's says, then I said to them, then I gave them some instructions, do not let the gates of Jerusalem be open until the sun is high. Ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you how smart this man is. Let me show you how powerful the Holy Spirit is moving on him. See, because if you looked into the uh, chronicles of the Roman Empire, uh, they said somewhere around 410, they have a record of all the wars. Do you know that in those records contained the time when most attacks came. You know when most attacks came? They came in the morning. So when Nehemiah said, do not open these gates until the sun is high. You know what he's saying? Don't even open the gates until about midday, close to noon. Because we still got some people still trying to get up. They got sleepiness in their eyes. See, this boy knows what he's doing. And I want to ask you a question. I know you have children. I know you've got brothers and sisters, but especially your parents in this room. It should be a joy for you to get up early, early in the morning and pray for your family. Early. And late at night. See, Nehemiah knew what he was saying. 
because he knew when the attacks would come, when we're sleeping and when we are vulnerable. He knew that. And so he said, look, man, uh, uh, and then, and then, while they're standing guard, uh, uh, let them, uh, shut and bar and bolt the door. I, I, I want it closed and I want it locked because I, I want the, the responsibility to be on the people to help guide this situation. I put both Hananiah and Hananiah in charge as governors, administrators, Overseers of these people. Now watch this second part. He says also appoint guards from the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Know what he's saying? He said you go to the people that are in Jerusalem that are behind these walls and you put them to work. Now, if myself and Rick and Beck and Alex and Alec or Bill are the only ones watching over here says we got problems. See, you got to watch too. And if you're the only one watching over your family, I told the first of my wife didn't hear this for, until for the first time. You know, when I go out of town, I obviously tell my son, hey man, look after mom while I'm gone. But there's also men that I call and say, man, would you be praying for my household while I'm gone? Just important. Do you have people praying for you? See, we, we ought to be watchmen. He, he says, you take the residents of Jerusalem. And, and he says, each to his own pulse, watch this, and each to his own home. Now, if my house is right by the gate or the wall, don't you think I'm going to be a little bit motivated to take care of my part of the wall because right behind me is my home? Because if they're going to get to my home, they got to come through me. Man, this man is sharp. I know Todd knows what I'm talking about. He's got a military background. Man, this is important stuff. You have to be a watchman. We all have to be a watchman. Because the only people that really care about America are believers. Period. And so you not only have to watch your home but you need to watch your city that's real important and, and as those uh, football players were sitting in here the first hour I told them I don't not only want them just praying for each other but I want them praying for the university because that's a city within a city so this is beautiful stuff so he not only governs them, he gathers them, and he guided them, but he was guarding them. Last point, verse 4. And then I'm going to give you something to take home with you. Verse 4. Church, how are we doing? Are we okay? You sure now? All right, just checking. Just checking. Now look at look, 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 look verse 4. Now, now you, you had to dig a little bit to get some stuff out of verse 4. If verse 4 says, now the city was large. What that basically means is that it had natural resources in it. It was big. Fort College is a big city. And it was territorial. That means you have a territory you have to take care of. But watch this. It not only was big, but it was spacious, metropolitan, big. And then it says the people in it were few. Which basically means that there were human resources, but they were thin. Got big city, small people. Not a whole lot of them. And then he says the houses were not built. That means there's still some construction that needed to go on. That reminds me of our church where we are right now. See, because when you, when you, when you begin to look at Zechariah 8, 3 through 8, read that sometime. God says, look, what I'm going to do is I'm going to return. When I return, I'm going to bring back the fathers. I'm going to bring back the moms. I'm going to bring back the kids. They're going to play in the street. And they are going to be my people. And I'm going to be their God. See, there's a lot we have to do in this city. And God's going to take care of this church. I'm not worried about that. He's going to replenish this church. Because the foundation has been laid. Now, now let, let, let me tell you about 
when you have a large city and a small population, that basically means that there's room for growth. Okay? Now watch this. The best solution to the city's vulnerability was to see it well populated. God wants to populate this church. You know my prayers every Sunday morning that every church in the G- every church in the city of Fort Collins that named the name of Jesus would have standing room only. That should be your prayer too. If every church in this city was filled to capacity, there still will be a lot of people left out. Now watch this. Walls without a city is as great a reproach as a city without walls. You need to know that. So then how do we close? Now that Jerusalem has some sense of self-respectability, now that they have some potential to defend themselves against war, and all that had been established, now the encouragement of the Jews to live there became more realistic. So then, what does it say? You have achieved success. But what's next? Who is it talking to? It's talking to the exiles who are coming back and living in Jerusalem. And how does it apply to their life? Now watch this. If you can, you need to write this down. This is for you to take home with you. How does it apply to your life? I didn't put it on the board because I want you to listen to it. In this transitional process, four things that Nehemiah teaches us. One is you move from being a catalyst to being a consolidator. Watch this. Because as a catalyst, man, you what? You get it going. But as a consolidator, you keep it going. That's what we're doing in these cities. There's about 20 people in Colorado Springs. There's going to be about 20 in Denver. We got a handful in Cheyenne. We got a handful in Laramie. And we're just laying that groundwork. But we don't go there just to build it and leave. We're going to get it going. But they're going to have to keep it going. Are you with me? So anytime you do something, you got to be what? You got to be a catalyst and a consolidator. Watch this. Second thing is you have to move from a designer. Okay. To think of it. Hey, look here. I am a visionary. I, I think of more things than we can handle. A visionary. But you move from a designer to a developer. Because see, the uh, designer thinks it up, but the developer follows it up. So on the one hand, you you get it going, you keep it going. On the other hand, you think it up, but you also follow it up. Now watch number three. You move from being a motivator, which is an encourager. You encourage people to becoming a manager, which you organize it. So you move from what? Keeping it going. I mean, getting it going, to keeping it going, thinking it up, to following it up. Now you're encouraging and you're organizing. Now here's number four. You become an entrepreneur where it all relies upon you. It relies upon self. To an executive. To relying on others. That's what Nehemiah taught us. Catalyst to consolidator, designer to developer, motivator to manager, and entrepreneur to an executive. So, ladies and gentlemen, know that sustainability undergirded by stewardship is the defense 
mechanism from apathy and vulnerability. So I'm going to have the worship team come on back up and we're going to get ready to take up our offering as we close today. I want to thank you for listening. Many of you, if not all of you in this room, have had first downs. Yes, you have. All of us have. And when we get that first down, that's not the time to lay down. It's the time to ask what's next. And if that next goal is not ready, you can either slide into apathy, complacency. What Nehemiah gave us are some things that will stop vulnerability from setting in. And I hope you've been encouraged by today. Jesus is in that place right now. Right now. Take that to your home. Talk to it about it with your husband, with your friend or whatever. And ask yourself the question. Where are the cracks in my wall? Ask yourself that question. Where are they? And how can I begin to sew them up by being a good watchman? We're going to pray for our offering. Father, I want to thank you so much that we be good watchmen even when it comes down to our checkbook. Because you told us that the world's economy is based upon buying and selling. But that your economy is based upon giving and receiving. And as we become good stewards of our finances, you show us how to release it and not police it so that you can bring it back with much reciprocity. So, Father, I ask you in the name of Jesus to bless this offering. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. Thank you so much. And we thank you for the word this morning. That you, by the Holy Spirit, will take that word and penetrate our soul. And that we walk out of here as watchmen and watch women. And God, we're going to guard it. We're going to protect it. We're going to fight for it. And so, Father, we thank you that he who is able to do far above anything you and I can even think of or dream of, his name is Jesus. And we submit to him. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. Have a good day. Thank you so much for coming.